What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Best Books Podcast, an Orchard Hill Church podcast that helps you choose your next book. In this world, there are so many different books that we could read, and there's only so much time in our busy lives. And so this podcast exists to help us choose books that not only enrich us, not only give us information, but help us toward life transformation. My guest today is a father, a husband, uh, a lover of fiction, and a podcaster himself. Please welcome to the show for episode eight, Tyler Thomas. Tyler, how's it going? Yeah, it's great. It's good to be on an official Orchard Hill podcast. Yeah. The, it's going to be the, good. The wonderful people on, on YouTube can see see your face. Tyler right. is doing so much behind the scenes that, that uh, goes unnoticed, but uh, something tells me that's, that's the way you like it. Yeah, it's kind of good to be under the radar. I don't like to yeah. be the center of attention usually, but... When we're talking about a good book, that's always I'm, I'll, I'll come out and uh, and have a good chat. So yeah, totally. I Tyler, I thought of you whenever we started Bus Books because I know that you do your own sort of podcast on the side. So why don't yep. you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, it's called uh, Pages of Light, and it's just uh, focused on talking about fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. Uh, haven't had one up in a in a little while though because it's just been kind of crazy with life and. Uh, all those kinds of things, but because uh, yeah. I'm sure for the past like year you've been preparing for for best books, right? right? That's why you haven't produced anything. Yeah, that's right. I've just been waiting for Jonathan to ask me to be on the podcast, so I'm um, I'm fresh and ready to go because it's been a while since I've recorded an actual podcast on on mine. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Were you offended when I asked Katie before I asked you? <laughs> uh, no, but I was kind of like, man, I wish I was on the best books podcast. <laughs> And now here I am, so it's going to be really great. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. I think pretty much everyone on staff has that feeling. They're just waiting for you to ask. I would feel so lucky to be on the Best Books podcast. So um, tell us a little bit about your family, speaking speaking of Katie. Yeah, so Katie, uh, she's the director of Kids Ministry. She is my wife, and we've been married for almost five years now. And uh, we have one son. His name is Jack. And he is about 18 months right now, so almost two, I guess, depending on when they're going to be hearing this podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much us. We live in Zelenopo right now, but we did actually just, uh, we're about to close on a house that's over in Valencia. So that's kind of the new big thing happening uh, in our life. And, yeah. Yeah, that's, totally. That's pretty much me. Wonderful. That's, a, that's an exciting stage in, in the life of your family. Yeah. How did you guys get connected initially with Orchard Hill? Yeah, so I started attending after college uh, in 2015. My family had attended here every so often because uh, I played uh, hockey growing up, and some of our games were on Sunday morning, so we couldn't attend church. And so sometimes we would come here on Saturday nights, and so I was already familiar with Orchard Hill. And so I just started attending. Joined, I joined a small group. Uh, and then Katie and I started dating a little bit after that, and then she started attending with me. And then uh, about a year later, uh, I joined staff. So, yeah, and I've just been here ever since. And uh, yeah, it's been great to be part of the mission and uh, vision of the church here. So, sure. What, what yeah. was it when you were just attending before you worked here that really kind of made you stick and, and, and try to see, see what Orchard Hill was all about? Yeah, initially, I think it was just having the, the big young adult program here. And because my church that I was, that I had attended growing up, they didn't really have much for young adults. Like after you kind of graduate college, it's, they have like the youth group for high school kids. And then whenever you get to college, it's like, okay, now you're just going to be in like adult church, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really like a community of young adults that I could uh, get to, you know, meet some new friends and new people. Uh, And so that was what initially drew me. And then getting into a group, obviously, is just the 
a really big thing to meet new people and to go deeper in your faith and uh, you know have new friends and relationships. Uh, the person I do the my other podcast with with is actually somebody that I met through that young adult program uh, all those years ago. So just kind of goes to show you that you can meet people in groups and have lifelong friendships and do more things with them uh, throughout the year. So. Well, totally. Well, um, that, that, that's a really great segue into talking a little bit more about Pages of Light and how that started. How, would you mind sharing, sharing that with us? Sure, yeah. I think it was just like I was looking for content about you know, fantasy and science fiction books and like what do those things talk about from a Christian perspective. And I wasn't really finding anything in the online space. And so I was just like, well, I'll just do it myself. And I've always just thought it would be cool to you know, make YouTube videos and be a content creator of some kind and just kind of putting my own spin on that whole thing. And that's just kind of how it started. Initially, I would just do uh, like reviews of books or uh, I did some comic books as well because those are you know, shorter and they're easier to kind of uh, create a piece of content for instead of a you know, 300, 400, 500 plus page fantasy novel. Sometimes they can get pretty big and so it's a long time to read them and then go over all of the content and have something meaningful to say. So a comic book is kind of shorter in that way. Uh, and then, I don't know, the podcast, podcast just kind of started because I wanted to do kind of those longer form uh, videos, and I feel like a podcast format would be better for those longer fantasy novels, whereas like maybe one video, you'd have to do a bunch of them to really do a particular work justice. And uh, yeah, I just asked my friend if he was interested because he likes fantasy and science fiction as well, so, and it just kind of, you know, grew from there, so. That's awesome. Well, I think you're going to be a, a perfect fit for the book that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Uh, when I thought about having you on, I thought about doing a, a, a fiction book sort of from a Christian perspective. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about C.S. Lewis's book, Out of the Silent Planet, the first of, of three books often referred to as the Space Trilogy. Uh, and as we discuss this book, we'll also be, t be talking about uh, sort of a macro view of, of how fiction can ultimately point to faith. And so I'm really excited for for this discussion. Um, Tyler, what, what's your journey been with fiction as a whole? Have you always in, in enjoyed it or is that more of a, an adulthood thing? Uh, no, I think uh, ever since I was little, I enjoyed reading fiction. My dad would read uh, me and my brothers, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, like before we were going to bed as like a bedtime story. So we would, I remember reading about uh, the first book, Magician's Nephew, with the, uh, the pools where the kids go into and they're transported into different worlds and all these different things, and I always thought that was really cool. And so that was probably my first, you know, vivid memory of, you know, reading fiction or fantasy. Um, and then just growing up, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies came out, and so those were a really big influence on me. And uh, I watched those movies, and then I was like, wow, that is such an amazing story. And so I had to read the books, and so I, I read all of those. And then uh, throughout the years, I read other things like the Redwall books by Brian Jakes, uh, and then later on, when I got to college, I was you know, reading other things like The Mistborn Trilogy by Brandon Sanderson. And then uh, like now I'm reading through The Wheel of Time. So just kind of as I've grown up, I've gotten you know, more exposed to different uh, fantasy series. And uh, those series have kind of grown in complexity as I've gotten older. Sure. So that's kind of been my... My journey. Yeah, maybe put an end to the debate because you always hear people talk about books versus movies. Are, are the books sure. always categorically better? Uh, I think in general they are better um, just because you have the author knows exactly what he wants to tell and whenever you do like an adaptation of that thing it's sometimes hard to just translate all of those things into a, a movie format. Um, but I think with the Peter Jackson trilogy of The Lord of the Rings, he did a really good job of keeping like the spirit and the themes of the books 
which is what I think you really have to focus on when you're doing adaptation, is to keep the heart of what the author was trying to tell in that story. And then if you can keep that at the center of your adaptation, then that will uh, lead you generally to a good kind of adaptation for of a book in, into a movie or TV show format. So, but yes, sure. generally, I think the books are are better in most ways. Yeah, yeah. Do I you have an opinion about it either way? Or? I, I do. I think. Uh, well, I just read Harry Potter, and so I think that's those books are better than the movies, which right. is funny because I was the same way with you in Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. I, I watched the movies first, and only recently, just this past year, read the books. And yep. um, I think there's something about the feeling you have when you read a fiction book. There's just um, sort of the excitement you have going through the story. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to capture that when you're sitting down and starting, doing, doing the story start to finish like in a movie. Yep. When you're reading through the book, you can kind of, you know, you, you read it in different places and at different times, and you can sort right. of remember the feeling you had, if nothing else, whereas mm -hmm. in the movie it's, it's, it's impossible, I think, to capture that exact same feeling. But I, right. I think what you said is so true about trying to capture the, the essence of, of the same story. Right. Um, what can you tell us as we transition a little bit to this book? What can you tell us about C.S. Lewis as a writer, or maybe the Space Trilogy more specifically? Is is this trilogy held in high esteem in the fiction community, or is it more well known just in Christian circles? Yeah, I think it's probably more well known in Christian circles. I don't really see a lot of, I guess, book YouTuber type people talking about the Space Trilogy. I think it might be more talked about in like Christian philosophical circles because uh, the book is kind of a little bit more philosophical in nature and less about like, you know, action heavy things. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's, I don't know that it's like, like looked down upon by other people, uh, but I don't think it's as popular as some of the big series like The Wheel of Time or Lord of the Rings or things like that, that have really had a more transcendent, uh, you know, experience in the culture and things like that where it's, you know, mass appeal and those kinds of things. And there hasn't been an adaptation or th something for the Space Trilogy, so that kind of affects that as well. So, Yeah, which is kind of a shame, because I think I'd see that over like yeah. Interstellar. Or any, there's just so many space movies that have come out in the past sure. 10 years. It's, yep. it's kind of amazing it hasn't happened. But that probably just reflects how little known it really is in, in, the, um, in the zeitgeist. But um, right. yeah, I, I, I find it really interesting, because I think you're the one that pointed this out, that... This book was actually, or the series was actually written before we went into space ourselves. And right. So it's, it was like it's, 1938 or something like that. Yeah. So I, I think that's really fascinating. I think now that I've read it, just the the detail he gives to what mm -hmm. it must be like going to space, having right. never gone himself, and even talking about like the science of it, like when in the spaceship and how they went into and how long it's going to take and all of these different things. So yeah. he did his research for sure. Totally. Uh, before we get specifically any more into the book, I'm curious about just the, one of these high-level questions. What, what, what do you think our relationship with fiction should be? Does it add anything, or, or is it one of those things where, hey, if you enjoy it, read it, but if, if not, you're not really losing out on anything? Okay, right, yeah. Um, I would recommend people read some fiction. There is definitely, and I think as Christians, you can read all, of, all types of fiction from a specifically Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, when you're reading about you know characters or stories or th events that are happening, you can filter all of those things from your Christian perspective, and you can also put yourself in the places of those characters when someone is doing or making X decision, like what would you do in that situation, and you know what uh, from since you're a Christian, how would you react in those ways, and uh, you can kind of filter those events from your biblical perspective and make judgments about. Uh, what is how does this speak into my own life, and if I was put in this situation, how would I react? 
And so I think, you know, when you read fiction, you can kind of uh, put yourself into the place of a lot of different people and a lot of different experiences that you wouldn't uh, like otherwise have because you're only just yourself and you're living in your own world. But if you read fiction, you can be transported to, you know, a whole new world and a whole new set of experiences uh, that you would never be able to have in the real world. And that can just kind of open your mind to like a new way to view situations and uh, how to respond in those ways uh, from a particularly biblical perspective. So Yeah, I like that. It can sort of open your mind into asking questions that you might not have already asked, but this like, right. since this fictional person is going through it, mm -hmm. you don't even have to go through it. You can go through it sort of through yeah. them. Right. I think that's something interesting about the Bible as a whole is that um, we got to be really careful because I don't want to slip up and say that the Bible is fiction. Right. Uh, but the Bible does indeed have a lot of narrative, which is story, right. especially in the Old Testament. And so yes. I've, I've thought about this a lot recently, that so many of the, the principles and the theology of the New Testament, you can actually look back in the Old Testament and see that almost in story form. You know, you look right. at David and Saul and you see what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 about, you know, the, the God using the foolish things in the world to shame the, uh, the, the wise. And, and mm -hmm. you see that on display. And I would argue that you see it in, in brighter color in the, in the actual story of David and Saul as, as opposed to if we just had the New Testament and we just had the theology. So along those same lines, I think we as Christians, we can, we can look at fiction, even ones that weren't explicitly written from a Christian perspective, and we can see certain principles that are universal right. because of the universal nature of the Bible. Yeah. Um, Tyler, getting more into the, the broad arguments of the book, uh, what do you think C.S. Lewis is, is trying to really say in Out of the Silent Planet? What, what are some of the, uh, the key points or, or the deeper points within the realm of this fictional world? Sure, yeah. I think uh, at a broad perspective, I think he's basically trying to create a contrast between our world and this fictional world that we're being transported to. And Ransom is kind of, you know, he's the earth person. And so he's kind of viewing this new world as like we would view it from our perspective. And so we're getting his interactions with the people of this world. And he's kind of trying to show us what a world might be like that isn't, you know, corrupted by the devil. And, you know, the people that are in this world kind of live in peace and harmony with each other because they're, you know, ruled by a higher power. Whereas in our world, you know, the devil is over goes over control, and we're still in our sin. And so there's just a, a stark contrast between Earth and this place, which is called Malachandra. I don't know if we've said that yet. Mm -hmm. um, but So I think that's kind of the broad kind of picture of what he's trying to paint with this story. And then it's kind of like Ransom's experience. He's the main character uh, as he goes through the world and interacts with all these different characters, getting different perspectives on mm -hmm. you know, how they view the world and kind of their own theologies in, in their world. So that's kind of... What I would say. Yeah, Do you have I, no, I, I think it's fascinating because you see, uh, you see so much in Ransom, who is the main character, his his confusion at these right. people he's coming across. Because even in the questions he's asking, and, and the confusion of the people he's coming across, because right. he's, we one of the broader arguments is that sin leads to to fear of of, of lack, you know, right. and, and so Ransom is basically saying, well. well do your people never war with each other? Do they never fight? There's, is there no conflict? And he's confused about this because as right. a resident of Earth that we have sin, um, he's only used to conflict. He's only used to to this sort of turmoil right. uh, because people fear not having enough. And so mm -hmm. uh, in, this, in this fictional planet where they have more than they could ever really want, um, they don't really 
deal with that sort of thing. So it's it's right. it's a fascinating thought experiment, if nothing else. You know, what, yeah. what what would it be like to go to another planet where sin doesn't exist, and mm -hmm. and and um, how would I would I trade the the technological advances for those sure. relational advances that would happen because of the peace of of not having a sin standard? Right. Um, I think it'd be helpful at this point to probably just recap sort of right, yeah. part of the story because <laughs> sure. we're already talking about so many plot points. Um, uh, basically, I, I'll go through it very quickly. So first, the first thing that happens is we have this description of this guy named Ransom. Um, the things that I really remember were that he was tall. He's a philologist, which means he studies sort of the nature of human languages. Mm -hmm. and, and he's single. He has like a sister. He, he doesn't really have much family, which makes him a great right. candidate to go on this space adventure. <laughs> right. uh, a lot of hero adventures are like orphans or like single or they don't have any attachments. Sure. They're allowed to go on these grand adventures, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, and the first, the first real plot point is he tries to save this young man who's, who's sort of in this, at, at his workplace, and he goes into this workplace, and he's kidnapped by these two guys named Weston, and is it pronounced Devin or Divine? Is there any, like... Yeah, I think uh, initially I was saying it Devine, but then I was like, okay. maybe it is just Devin. Yeah, we'll just say know. Devin, because that's a lot easier. It's spelled D-E-V-I-N-E, -E, which probably right. shows our confusion. Which is but. classic fantasy trope like weird names that you can't pronounce and you spend the whole book wondering if you were pronouncing it correctly. See, this is why you're here because I would not know these things. That's perfect. Uh, so he's kidnapped. They, they, they travel through space and um, one of the most interesting points is when he actually hears their plan and he starts, starts to fear that he's going to be some sort of human sacrifice. And so um, he's on the way to this distant planet. He, he has all this fear. The conflict is really rising. Um, then they land on would you say Mal Malacandra? Is that how we're saying it? That's how I've been saying yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to use the the, the, the soft A, um, which is we find out is just the planet Mars, the planet right next to, to Earth. They, mm -hmm. um, Ransom thankfully escapes Weston and in, in, in Devon, and he, he meets uh, this guy named Hyoi, who is a Hrosa, or however you yeah, explain Hrosa, it. Hrosa, yeah. Hrosa, yeah. Um, he learns the, their language. Ransom is, <clears throat> is then called by sort of the, the leader uh, of the planet, um, that's where we're going to stop. So basically, all, all you need to know is that Ransom is this Earthling who is on this on this uh, planet called Malacandra, and he's he's interacting with um, three different sort of humanoid people groups. You know, they're they're not exactly animals. They have they have language. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that was a really interesting thought experiment as well. You know, what what would it be like to have um, different different kinds? You know, we we have different races, but different. And anatomically structured kinds of people, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the other the other you know things in the book. Tyler, what were you, some of your favorite uh, moments in the book? Yeah, I think just all of the different conversations that he has with all of the various characters. Him asking them questions about uh, just you know what life is like there, like you know their kind of theological uh, perspective on things, and he keeps asking them this question about like you know does. Does the Cerrone, that's another one of the species that are there, do they rule over you or do you rule over them? And then they like don't understand this question. Like nobody rules us. It's only the guy upstairs that rules us, which is called Oyarsa. Is Oyarsa. That that's Oyarsa. how we're going to say it. Yeah. That's what we're going to say. That's the easiest name in this whole book, surprisingly. Right, yeah. uh, on my other podcast, we always joke that we need someone to read, the, have the audio book and someone to read you know, the actual book. So we get the, <laughs> we get the pronunciation and we get the spelling together. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's just all the conversations because that's really what this book is centered around is just 
ransoms conversations with all of the different characters. So he talks with peoples of each of the different races, and then he talks with uh, Oyarsa later on in the novel, which is kind of getting, getting to the climax. But I think it was just all of those conversations that were really interesting. And then also just kind of seeing his perspective on and like him describing all of the different you know places in Malakandra and just describing what it looks like and because it's a lot of exploration of the actual physical space and exploration of you know the people groups and the culture that is there as well so I think those were kind of my favorite parts of it. Did you have any yeah. favorite things? Well, unfortunately, it? all my favorite parts would kind of spoil the book. That's the yeah, tough that's part true. about reviewing a, a fictional book. I, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at I, I really loved the interaction with with Oyarsa and just yeah. the, the. There's a moment in the book, like any great book, where there's a there's a turn, you know, and and, yes. and everything that the author has set up for you in the first half, you find out mm -hmm. because be, because that's that's what any good author writing from a third person limited perspective, which is Ransom's perspective, right. you find out that his perspective. Is, is based in sin and fear and, and what he's already known. Right. And um, there's basically there's good news for him when he when he uh, the yes. more he gets to know this planet, the more he falls in love with it, the more he realizes, man, right. this a lot of my fears were sort of unwarranted. And so right. that's a good way to sort of transition us into looking at some of the the more religious themes of of out of the silent planet. Anyone knows uh, about the author C.S. Lewis knows that he is a Christian, so it's no surprise that he'd be writing with some religious themes in mind. Um, were there any that sort of jumped off the page at you that you thought, eh, that's that's uh, there's no not a lot of subtlety there, or did you feel like most of them were pretty subtle? Uh, yeah, I think I don't know if you're if you're kind of a, if you've been a Christian for a while, I think they'll probably jump out at you pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it just seems like there's. You know, you have kind of Oyarsa, which kind of seems at the beginning like a god figure, but mm -hmm. might be something different, because um, there's also a, a character called Maladil, mm -hmm. uh, which seems to be like God the Father. So there seems to be some kind of Trinity mm -hmm. system going on here. You as learn well. more and more about the, right, the kind of expands of the world as, as you go, along. as you read along. Um, so I think there's like Oyarsa, which is kind of like the he's kind of like the overseer of the planet, and so each planet kind of has an Oyarsa like all their own. Basically. Yeah, and so like someone that rules over that particular world and then each planet in the solar system has their own. And then we come to find out that the one that would rule over Earth is the Bent One, which is a kind of direct correlation to Satan, who was the fallen angel who used to be good and now is bad. And so there's that's like a, a very direct parallel uh, to Christian Christianity. And... Uh, yeah, so that was yeah, probably that's probably the biggest one that stands yeah. out to me. Yeah, yeah, the place where there's no subtlety is just talking about bent humans. And right. I, I thought, really, if, when you run across this word bent, you could probably substitute into sinful. But I thought that was a very clever way of because I think if if a non-Christian was were to read this book and see that word sin, I think right. they would automatically say, "Well, I'm not going to be influenced by this." But I, this is right. just sort of his way of of sneaking that in there and saying, you know, the, right. the earth is, is, is sinful and we are bent in a lot of our ways. Right. Um, and basically all he means by that is, is we, um, the way that we go about things is, is really not the, the correct way. And we, mm -hmm. we have been sort of poisoned in thinking that, um, in living our lives in fear because of the devil's influence. And so really right. the whole book is this thought experiment of what if right. there were people on all these sort of planets and only our planet was the one that, that had sin. What if all right. these other planets um, were were not sort of affected by sin? Right. Um, Tyler, unfortunately, we're we're almost out of time. But as we close, I think it's important to talk about 
Orchard Hill Church. And so if you were talking to someone who had an interest uh, in, in, in fiction, um, w- would you recommend this book? Or is there, is there another book as far as like seeing that um, entrance into a love for fiction? What, what would you say? Sure. Uh, if you wanted to stay with C.S. Lewis, I would probably recommend Narnia first. That's a little bit easier of an entry. This book is a little bit more philosophical and maybe slower moving compared to like those kinds of stories. Um, and but yeah, I think if if you really do like space travel and like kind of like first contact kind of books of of a human going to another planet, then this would be a really good place to to start, especially if you're looking for something that's explicitly Christian fiction. Um, that has those direct parallels to things. Um, yeah, so this would be a good place to start. Um, I guess other places, you could always start with Tolkien. You know, The Hobbit is a great place to start for anyone who wanted to get into fantasy um, and The Lord of the Rings, of course. Um, if you wanted something of a more modern recommendation, Brandon Sanderson is a pretty popular fantasy writer right now, and uh, he has a book called Warbreaker. Uh, which is just a standalone book. There's, it's not a part of a series or anything, which makes it really easy to get into. And uh, so that would be another recommendation if you wanted to get into fantasy. Yeah, wonderful. As we close, I'm curious, we talked about this a little bit up top, but if, if someone was debating reading a fiction book or a nonfiction book, what, what do you think Christians can get out of fiction books that nonfiction books can't really do for them? Right, I think it's just like a different way of looking at uh, situations and events where you can you can get put into the place of another uh, person and see things through their eyes. And um, as compared to like, you know, if you're just reading like a history book, it can feel a little boring, like, wow, I'm just reading this old history book about things that happened long ago. Whereas if you're reading something with fiction, it can feel a little bit more exciting and engaging, and you're, you're along for the ride and along for the journey with this character um, that you may resonate with. Maybe they have a particular character flaw that is similar to something that you're struggling with, and you can kind of go along on this journey with them as well. And then you can experience, you know, how they go through the ups and downs of the journey. Uh, and then maybe that can speak into your own life of how you would deal with those situations. And then it can also, you know, point to things about from a biblical perspective of how you would, you know, approach things in a different way. Or maybe it points to something about the human experience and why we need the gospel uh, in our own life. Um, so those would be some things I would say. Yeah, awesome. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on. Before you go, I'd love for you to just, if, if someone is curious about, you know, looking at Pages of Light, how would how would they find it? Oh, sure, yeah. You could just, if you just go to YouTube or search on uh, any podcast app, just search Pages of Light and it'll probably pop up. It's a little yellow logo with black text. And uh, yeah, we've done a bunch of different books. We've done some Brandon Sanderson. We did... Uh, Dune by Frank Herbert, which is a big science fiction book, and then uh, we've doing, we're doing Wheel of Time as well, so lots of stuff to check out there. And They are a pretty long podcast. They're like almost two hours, so uh, just be prepared whenever you see that. So Yeah, fair warning. Well, thanks so much again. We yeah. really hope you enjoyed this conversation uh, of Best Books. Uh, if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to Orchard Hill Plus but for more podcasts like this from Orchard Hill Church. If you really like this episode, we'd love for you to tell us by uh, writing a review on Apple Podcasts or for our YouTube viewers to, to write down a, a co- comment on the video below. Uh, your reviews and comments really help other people sort of find these, these videos and videos like these. Um, please join us next month as we talk to uh, Student Ministries' Devin Kelly about a book called So the Next Generation Will Know by Sean McDowell and Jay Warner Wallace. My name is John Thede, and this has been Best Books. Until next time. Mm-hmm.